Protect the Rock is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. And you guys know we love college football and basketball. It's basketball season now. But really, we love Taylor Swift mostly. So game time is the best way to get tickets to everything from sporting events to shows like artists like our girl, T-Swift. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. And we're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hey everyone, welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. As always, I'm Nicole Auerbach, she is Grace Rayner, and we are here as Clemson has wrapped up the ACC slate. Uh, one game to go, it's bye week, we're going to go 1-0 in the bye week, which is my new phrase, I picked it up when I was at Minnesota a couple weeks ago. They actually said that during their bye week, so we're going to say that, we're going to go 1-0 during this bye week. And then South Carolina, and that's it for the regular season. Grace, we're almost, almost done here. Already. We, we are getting to the finish line. It feels like this season's gone by really, really fast. It's been fast and slow at the same time. Like, it's, you know, like it, it feels like things like the North Carolina game were like last season, but also yesterday. I don't yeah, know. I'm that's having true. a weird, it feels weird to me. That's fair. Yeah, when I'm sitting in the third quarter and Clemson's up by like 40, <laughs> it feels very slow. But as a whole, I'm like, huh, maybe this has gone by faster than I thought. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was bummed that Wake was, you know, was missing its top two receivers, but I did kind of think that was going to be more of a game. But clearly the odds makers know something when they set the line at like 35 points. Um, Clemson has just been thoroughly dominant really since that second quarter of the Louisville game. Um, and we were trying to do the math. Math is not our strong suit. We were trying to do the math of Trevor Lawrence's numbers because he has not thrown an interception since that first quarter. Um, so obviously we knew he threw for three touchdowns after that. Grace, what have his numbers been in games since the Louisville game? Okay, so since the Louisville game, Trevor Lawrence is 69 of 89 passing with 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He is just playing at a, at a different level. Right now, I was looking at that box score from Clemson Louisville. It's a little wonky on my end, Nicole. Like I did a, you'll get it. You'll actually get a kick out of this. I did a command F so I could search like Lawrence pass to see if I could track all the play by play after he threw those picks at Louisville. And the box score is currently showing that Trevor Lawrence threw three passes at Louisville, which is <laughs> obviously not not accurate. So, yeah, even, you know, again, we're not great with math, but we know that that's not true. That's definitely not true. Can definitively say, unless I'm spelling pass wrong in my search box, which I think is also Grace. probably low. <laughs> I was going to say, I, mean, I would hope that that's not the case. Oh, but yeah. he, I mean, really, though, like, it's so interesting because the conversation has finally started to shift on Clemson because it's no longer what's wrong with Trevor Lawrence. It's no longer oh, this team is not as good as they were last year. Oh, the North Carolina game. All those picks. Like, finally, I think people are acknowledging and seeing that Clemson 
really has this thing rolling right now. And and what I thought was particularly interesting, because you know how coaches don't like to add extra pressure to their players or praise them too much. Um, Dabo Swinney last week went on um, SiriusXM and said that this team is ahead of where it was this time last year. And last year, obviously, that's the team that won a national championship. A couple things he pointed out, um, he had said that they were only at a plus one in the turnover margin, and they were allowing 12 points per game. Right now, Clemson, the turnover margin's up to plus 10 on the year, and scoring defense down to they're allowing 10.7 points per game. So, I mean, those are the two things he pointed to. I, you know, Also, the way that Trevor's playing right now. Do, do you think that's right? Do you think this team is better right now, mid-November, than they were mid-November last year? It's a crazy thing to even think about. And I think that, I mean, on the one hand, I just think these two teams are different. And so I don't, I'm a little hesitant to say, yes, one is better than the other, because obviously last year's makeup was so different than this year's makeup with that D line. Um, But statistically, I think he has a point. Yes. I mean, the most telling quote of his post-game press conference to me after the Wake Forest game was him saying that he has not had a team like this that has played this consistently. Um, so I, I think he has a legitimate argument. Um, and we all saw obviously what happened last year with, with that group. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just sort of seems like the only thing that wasn't really there early was Trevor, the accuracy and things. Cause, cause you knew he had all the pieces around him and Travis had some monster games early too, but now it's like, okay, everything, this is the offense we thought we were going to see the defense. You know, we've talked a lot about Brent Venables, his value to this program, but that is better than we thought. We thought there would be some growing pains on that side of the ball. Um, you know, Tanner Muse, I think I was texting you during the game. Like, he's just been phenomenal this season. He really has. He, he really, really has. Really has. Um, and so, so I think that, you know, it, it's kind of – it's finally shifted away from those narratives that we had for the first month of the season – and I really think now you're hearing people talk about Clemson the way they talk about Ohio State and LSU, which is where they should. I think people will still say who have they played, who have they played. But I think you can tell, you know, when you're watching a team and you're watching talent and athletes, you can tell which ones are in that upper echelon. And I think people could say it doesn't matter about the competition because to quote Rob Mullins, the selection committee chair, they he said Alabama was dominated against their schedule. Clemson is dominated against their schedule. Um, and I think you can see how great this team is. And so I just think it's finally time that people are putting them in the same category. I think as Ohio State is probably the best comparison because they're so balanced. Um, but I think we're finally at that point. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of how, if you look back to previous years, it's kind of always been like this with Clemson. And Dabo has not been shy about saying, look, if we're playing our best ball in September, you know, that's not a good thing. You know, this is a team that historically has gotten better as the season has progressed, and now they are at that point. So um, I think that that's telling. Also, for the record, I solved the Trevor Lawrence mystery. You're going to laugh at me. <laughs> like what? As you were talking, I just did it. So shout out to Louisville. Their box score is so detailed that if you just search Lawrence pass, it only shows up three times because the rest of them are like Lawrence sideline pass, Lawrence deep pass, oh, Lawrence screen wow, that is, yeah. That's a lot of detail for It for really is. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Shouts to Louisville or Clemson or whoever did that. So what were the three regular passes? 
The three regular... <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I need to know. The three peasant passes? Yeah, I mean, like... All right, just, let's see. Like, like, what was the distance that they traveled? Like, they, were they just, like, a very mediocre, like, a five-yard pass that was nothing? Like, I need to know. Okay. Uh, peasant <laughs> pass number one. Complete to Lynn J. Dixon for a loss of four yards. <laughs> oh. Okay, so these are backwards passes. <laughs> okay. Pass number two. Complete to Etienne for eight yards. And okay. pass number three. Complete to Cornell Powell for ten yards. So we're okay, here, at- here's, here's, my new, here's my new theory. I think that whoever was doing the play-by-play went to the bathroom <laughs> or went up and got a soda. Like, I, I think that's what was happening because you could have written, like, backwards pass or bad pass on the, the negative play. Yeah. Eight-yard eight <laughs> yard pass bad like, pass. is pretty <laughs> bad pass. Um, the eight-yard pass is, like, kind of what I was picturing here, like a very, like, okay pass. Um, but 10, I mean, that's a first down. Like that should have an adjective. I, I think it was somebody else filling in, in those moments. That's but my new theory. to their credit, they got right back on the horse the next drive. Because that's what I'm saying. Ne- like the- maybe it was like someone just needed to grab water from a Deep pass, mission. screen pass, and sideline pass are the next three in a row. They had to make up for it. <laughs> I would, I honestly, now I'm like very curious and I'm going to go look up other Louisville box scores because I, I want to know how they are identifying negative plays. If they're all just regular pass and it really is like a peasant pass and that's what they mean. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. this we is need my to copyright new- peasant pass. I'm going to get a t-shirt and just walk around peasant <laughs> this pass. Is, this is like, that's like when, um, so I, I have my two best friends that I travel with all the time. Um, and we have gone on many trips. We've traveled internationally and we didn't realize for a long time, and I don't know if you know this, Grace, like when you have status on an airline, you can actually, like if the person with you doesn't have status, they're actually allowed to board with you. Oh, and what? We didn't, I didn't know we, that. We, we didn't know that. And so like this was back like a few years ago when I was at USA Today traveling like a ton. So I was always like gold borderline platinum status for Delta. So my best friend Allie had started to travel a lot for work and our other friend Ariel never travels for work. So we would always like get to board really early and then we would just look back at her and like wave and call her our peasant every, every, every time that we boarded. And she would just be like, I'm going to have to board with the peasants. And honestly, now that I know the rule that she could board with us, I probably still wouldn't do it just because that was so fun. I would make her. Wow. This girl chooses to still be your friend after that? <laughs> yes. This is the wedding I went to this fall. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to need to like investigate her on the side and be like, blink twice if, no, listen, if you need peasant, help. Peasant is just a fun word to say. It kind of is a fun word. It yeah. is. It is. I think we need to bring it back. We need to use it more, <laughs> to be honest. I don't even remember what that's for, but this is peasant passes are going to be my investigative work for the week. I've decided. Yeah, I'm into that. Let me know what you find. Yeah, I will let other people deal with like the medical diagnosis of Tua and all these other actual serious things. And I will I will look into the passes in the Louisville Louisville box score. Yeah, yeah, because it's important. It's important. Um, So let's let's talk a little bit about the college football playoff rankings. Um, I'm curious, you know, now that Clemson's at three. I'm curious if you think that there is any chance that they could get higher than that or probably not just based on the way the schedules are for Ohio State and LSU. I think before this week, I did not think so, and I thought they would probably pretty firmly be at three. Now that we've got 
some pretty glaring question marks about that LSU defense. I, I think they've got a case to, I mean, if you're talking about dominating the schedule and the eye test, like the committee has obviously put an emphasis on, I think Clemson has an argument to bump up ahead of LSU. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fascinating to watch that LSU game um, and Ole Miss just gashing them because the broadcast even started wondering, you know, are they seeing, you know, enough, like, questionable things happening to this LSU defense that maybe they would put Ohio State ahead? And then you got to think, like, okay, Ohio State was playing Rutgers. So, like, and they actually gave up two touchdowns to Rutgers, which is, like, the first time that's happened to R- Rutgers has scored like that on Ohio State in, like, five years. But – um, you know, I think I think they could eventually move Ohio State ahead of LSU. Um, I think it would come down to you know, the Penn State game, Michigan, Big Ten title game. Like they, they have some quality opponents coming up, but I do not know if they could move Clemson up because they're trying to emphasize like the wins, the ca- the quality fair. of the win. Yeah, and that's fair. I just I, I just don't know if they would do that. But but also we we haven't seen the South Carolina game is going to be interesting because it's a shared opponent with Georgia and it's Georgia's loss. So that could add an interesting wrinkle depending on like how the rest of the SEC shakes out and like the SEC title game, which is probably going to be LSU, Georgia. Um, I kind of wonder what that comes in with the shared opponent. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah. I kind of had a little bit of a brain fart. Like, yeah, the LSU's not going to fall two spots for. Well, no, I mean, it it depends. Like I, I just think the quality of their wins will keep them up, but I I do really think that your point about like the completeness of Ohio state and Clemson, like, I think that that is something the committee really values because we've seen the way that they've treated Oklahoma and big 12 teams and LSU is kind of playing like a big 12 team right now. Yeah, they are. And it's, yeah, I mean, we got this Remember, I texted you earlier this week. I even got this exact question in my mailbag from a reader saying are Clemson and Ohio state, the two most complete teams in the country right now. Yeah, and I yes. texted you and have been like, okay, where do we think LSU sort of fits into this? And you had even said, I, I think your reader's right. Yeah, and and we were proven correct, again, watching watching the games on Saturday. So, I mean, I, like, I, I don't really care. As long as those three are the top three, I'm not too worked up about the order just because I think that they've clearly separated themselves. I would agree um, with that. And I mean, understandably so. They haven't lost either, so like you know, there's certain things there. Um, but I, I just want to see some mix of those teams play each other. Like I really would like it to work out that way, and it probably will. Um, I know that I'm discounting the inevitable chaos, although we we've had a lot of chaos in the last couple of weeks. So you know, I mean, those three teams might be kind of immune to it, but we might still get some more. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm with you that. I just don't know. I mean, and that's why I think we, with no offense to the playoff committee, but I think that's why we keep tuning in on Tuesdays is just to see who's going to be in that four spot. I mean, at this point, yeah, the, top, yeah. the top three, no one is, you know, waiting with bated breath over. Yeah, I mean, and especially I think this week um, to see if the how the committee handles Tua's injury. Yeah. Uh, my, my prediction there, and, and you've gotten questions kind of about the opposite of this in your in your mailbag as well about like the depth that Clemson has. Um, And we've talked about this too, that like the way that player availability works for the playoff committee is if you lose people, not really that you have extra, like they just kind of know that that's part of your team. And I'll be curious if they drop Alabama at all this week, because I think they're going to end up waiting to see like what they look like with Mac Jones. And they could just let other teams leapfrog them. 
you know, like let Oregon or Utah when they, you know, whoever wins the Pac-12 title, like they could just advance above Alabama. And I don't think you need to necessarily drop them yet because you don't exactly know what they're going to look like. You have about, you have what the Arkansas game and the second half of this game of Mac Jones. Um, Right. But, but I mean, we certainly, it certainly changes the way that we talk about them as like a potential non-champion team. Like, I, I don't think we're going to have Alabama Clemson this year. Like, no. that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I'm curious to see is let's say, and granted, of course, we don't know how any of this is going to shake out. We don't, we, you're right. We've had a very small sample size of a two list Alabama team, but just for the sake of hypotheticals, what if, Al- let's say Alabama wins out, there's still one lost team, then what? Right, and and you've already got people saying like, well, what if they blow out Auburn in the Iron Bowl? You know, isn't that like Cardell Jones in the first year? And it's it's not. It's not because the way that Cardell Jones played and won to show that Ohio State didn't have a drop off when they lost JT Barrett, it not only proved that, but it also won a conference championship, and that is a criteria here. And so, to me, like, there's very few teams that. This year, you would say they're one of the four best teams unequivocally without winning a conference championship. Like, I think LSU is going to have that kind of resume and respect. So if they, let's say, lose to Georgia in the title game, whatever, you know, like if that's where it is, like I think they're still going to have a shot. But I don't think you could say that about Alabama this year. So it's just – it'll be interesting to see. Like, does the playoff exist? It's like when a tree falls in the forest, like – if no one could hear it, did it happen? Like, does the playoff exist if Alabama's not in it? Yeah. I don't, I mean, can you make an <laughs> argument for any team other than LSU? In that yeah. scenario? Like, that's a good, that's a good question. So Clemson, no, because if they lose one of these games, I, I don't think they can do it. Um, Ohio, Ohio State? State would be interesting. Like, what if they lose? I'd have to look at the way that the path works to the, to the Big Ten championship game. Um, to see if like if they could still lose one of these games and still make it, like they probably have to beat Penn State. Maybe they lose to Michigan. Um, I, I would have to look at the 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 order of the standings and who's lost to who and who's lost um, league games and all that. But I don't know. I mean, they don't have like LSU has. They went on the road in non conference. They won at Alabama with two a full strength, essentially full strength. Um, like no one's going to have a resume that compares to that. I mean, I kind of think it's just them. I like, do, I yeah. Like, I don't think it exists for Georgia in the same way it exists for LSU. No, I don't either. I think that South Carolina loss. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're Georgia. You've got zero room for error. Yeah. No, that's a really interesting question. I, I wonder, I, I am curious about that. And I think that if you do have that scenario and I mean, we're at that point in the season where everyone's just throwing out potential playoff scenarios, right? You know, if you have LSU lose to Georgia in the SEC title game, let's say it's a close game, that's the scenario where you possibly get two big two SEC teams in. What does that mean for the Big Twelve champ? What does that mean for the Pac twelve champ? I think in, right. in that's prob those are the ones that are dicier. Big twelve for sure. Um, and maybe even the Pac twelve, because I think again, the committee has shown a ton of respect for Clemson and Ohio State and the odds of either of them losing a game here feel slim. Um, so I think that's where you go. And I think that is also a scenario where you're probably going to hear more about expansion because you would have had teams in the PAC 12 and the big 12 doing everything that they have been told to do 
Right. And still being and not making it. Yeah. Like there, there were actual good teams. It's not like they had to fill the spots. It was like, no, you actually are leaving out two good teams. Right. So that'd be, if you, if you root for, if you root for chaos and you root for expansion, that's probably the scenario this year to root for two SEC teams and then Clemson and Ohio state. I think, right. I think that's the, the scenario. That'd still be a fun playoff though. Oh yeah. Well, then that's the thing. Like they're all good teams. Like it's not. It doesn't feel as much as like when kind of Alabama backdoored in a couple years ago. Like it, it feel. It would feel like the right teams were getting in. It was just that the system was set up maybe right, not in the right way. Sure. Um, but I would. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, those would be awesome games. Like I, I just I would love to see LSU's offense against Clemson's defense, oh, Ohio same. State's defense. Like, I mean. You know, even Georgia, like I'm already getting amped for that game, but Georgia's offense against LSU's defense doesn't get me going in the same way, you know, LSU versus Ohio State or Clemson would. So, I mean, I think I think as long as we get these teams and these offenses and these quarterbacks in there, it's going to be really fun, like really, really fun. Speaking of which, did I tell you what Brent Venable said uh, last week when he was sort of talking about LSU-Alabama? You did not. Oh, so someone asked him if he – watched it and he you know like had I think he had it on the background or something while he was watching his own film but he had basically said that he felt really bad for both defensive coordinators and then it got into this conversation and this is probably the greatest thing I think I've ever learned about Brent Venables definitely this season and maybe like top five ever yeah I was gonna say he's got lots of fun facts (laughs) so we learned and let me preface this with I don't know if he was talking explicitly about LSU Alabama at this point or if it was just generic because it kind of the conversation kind of shifted, but it's still beautiful regardless. Brent Venables, when he is watching other teams play, will play a little game with himself where he'll say, Quick, what would I call here? And he oh just my God. <laughs> he just sits there and watches the opposing offenses <laughs> and looks at all, all the formations and stuff and, and this makes is exactly himself- this is like I'm, I'm, I'm like laughing because I have never thought about that he would be the person that does this. But now that it does, like I, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. This. I, yeah, I, feel like, I feel like I could see him like sitting on a couch doing this game and needing his own get back coach on his own couch. Oh, my gosh. Home. Can you imagine if get, back, <laughs> if get back coach was there? Oh, that would be incredible. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm just picturing that like scenario that he would get that into it, that he would be like stressed. About. I want to take it to a next to the next level. What would get back coach do? Like <laughs> trying to uh, be a psychic and what Venable. Okay, this made sense in my head. I'm not verbalizing it well, but whatever. It was a great moment. That and is, I, he had also said Venables. too. Like this is also a random side note, but I had asked him just out of my own curiosity how many if he had to guess how many hours of film he watches a day, like what that estimate would be, and he was like, "Oh, it's not much." Probably six to eight hours on Sundays and Mondays. <laughs> Not much. I'm like, that is an entire eight hours. That, that's an that's entire a full work, work shift. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's on Sundays and Mondays. I don't uh, know. Like I Tuesdays love, and Wednesdays it comes I down. love learning new Brent Venables facts. They're amazing. Me too. I want to have like Brent Venables trivia one night. Yes. Yes. Um, but before, okay. So before we wrap, I do want to get your thoughts on Tua's injury in the context of Clemson has one of these, you know, just incredible talents, incredible pro prospects, like an incredible quarterback that you do not want to get hurt. And he has played in a lot of blowouts. And so I was wondering what Clemson's approach to him is and like 
how late have they kept him in games and how do they feel about that? Because I mean, clearly it's, you know, you want him to get experience. You want him to play in games. You don't want to be mean necessarily to other teams and run up the score or whatever, but also like you don't want him to get hurt. So how have they approached it? Because I feel like there's only a few quarterbacks that are kind of in the same to a level where it's just absolutely devastating if there's an injury like this. Right. I mean, if something knock on wood were to ever happen like this to Trevor Lawrence, Clemson is a completely different football team. I mean, there's just, yeah. I don't know that they well, get into the playoff. It's, it's, like, it's bad for the sport. Like it, it sucks it is. That, Tua, yeah. that we don't get to, to see Tua and we want him to have fully heal and be able to play in the NFL. And um, I mean, it's probably too soon to know, you know, exactly what his road to recovery looks like. And for, but freak accidents can happen at any point. So like, even if you do pull Trevor, like an, an early enough, like it, he still could have something happen in the first quarter in the first drive, whatever it is. But like, do have they, do they have a certain point in a game or like a, a margin where they tend to pull him? I think, I mean, that's the balance of it. And they got asked about that on Saturday night and sort of talked about it. And that's the balance that I think is so hard if you're a coach. And I thought Jeff Scott made a good point. He was saying, look, I mean, you obviously want your players to be healthy and fresh and all this stuff, but then you also don't want to be in a situation where Clemson is playing later down in the postseason. They're in a fourth quarter game and their starters haven't played in fourth quarters. You know, right. you, you, you still need them to be ready. I mean, Dabo has said many times that the North Carolina game was the only time that he really truly saw Trevor in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. And obviously that turned out well in Clemson's favor, but the sample size is still small. And that's not to say Trevor wouldn't be ready in the fourth quarter because I absolutely think he would. But it is to say it's a very it's a very fine balance because you need them to be ready to go without also running a risk. Tre- Trevor has not played um, in a fourth quarter since the Louisville game. Uh, recently here it's been, okay, give him one or two series in the second half and then pull him. Okay. So it's just, you know, he's definitely getting through the first half, which is obviously to his injury was right before halftime. People were like, why was he still in the game? But I, but I do think that like on most of these places, Justin Fields in Ohio state has been the same way. Like they are usually playing a little bit into the second half, even if it's well within, you know, everyone, the, the game is over. Right. Um, because I think it is what you're saying. Like you, you don't want them to, not necessarily get rusty but it's just you know it's it's more reps you get in a game the more comfortable you are when a situation arises in a game right and so you know it's tough and especially because again like what happened to two it could happen now the first play of the game you know it's it's such a free thing um but you know I definitely think there's probably considering what everyone saw like I think there's probably more conversations happening on staffs this week about you know what point you pull you know your starters or your you know that that type of talent in a blowout there probably is going to be a little bit more of that because you just I mean Nick Saban was you know devastated for Tua you don't want to be the person that is putting them out there and something happens and you know you can't control that with a freak accident but you know, you just don't want that to happen to your guy. And so I, I do sort of wonder, um, you know, like, I mean, here, even for this scenario, like South Carolina is down, like not a great team this year. They're banged up. Like, should Trevor Lawrence play? Like, I know he's going to, but like, should he? I think he, yeah, get him, get a lead. And then, 
I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, and this, no offense to Chase Bryce, but Trevor Lawrence and Chase Bryce are two completely different quarterbacks. I mean. Right. But like, I mean, so that's sort of like what people were arguing. Like, why was Tua, why did Tua play against Mississippi State? Now, this isn't an in-state rival, but it's a conference game, like against a power five opponent. So the idea of like, oh, just sit him. It's not like he was playing FCS. Like. Right. It, so that's why it's kind of funny, but like, it's kind of like, I, I'm pretty sure Clemson could beat South Carolina without Trevor. As long as, like, Travis and T. Higgins and Justin Ross is healthy and those guys are playing. Um, like, I, I, I would – I mean, it would be interesting. But, like, I think that uh, – I don't know. Am I talking myself out of this? I think I'm talking myself out of this in my head. I would like to – I mean, shoot. I would, I'm, like, that would be a more competitive game than we're going to see. Oh, for, from a sheer entertainment standpoint, could Clemson beat South Carolina without Trevor Lawrence? That would be a matchup I would like to see. Yeah. And, and, I mean, we're going to see that a fair amount. But, I mean, like, even that, like, how how much is he going to play in that game? How much should he play right. in that game? What about all the other starters? Like, when, when they take Trevor out, do they take out – who else do they take out? Is it pretty much like a full, like a shift change? It, uh, it can be, yeah. I mean, okay. when he was uh, – a lot of times when they get Chase in there, they'll also get in Lynn J. Dixon. They'll get in uh, Joseph Ngata, Frank Ladson. I mean, Saturday was a little – Different just because um, we obviously saw Justin Ross and Amari Rogers. They were hurt and didn't play in the second half at all because of injuries. Um, so you you have to think they probably would have played that first, second series with Trevor like normal. But, yeah, a lot of times the backups are getting in when Chase Bryce is getting in. Okay. That's interesting. That'll be just be something to think about. I think people are a little bit just extra alert, you know, based on the injury and, sure. and the severity for Tua. Um, yeah. So, well, let's wrap it up here. It's a bye week, but we still will have our bonus episode for subscribers only on The Athletic, um, in The Athletic app on Thursday. Um, before I let you go, Grace, we got to give our roses because today is Monday. Who gets your rose? You're right. Okay. I'm giving my rose actually to Trevor, and I was talking about this on Saturday night. Um, he kind of... You know how Deshaun has gone, went like viral for breaking down all those plays and everything he saw defensively? Trevor kind of did that a little bit on Saturday night when he was explaining that second touchdown to T. Higgins, a crazy one where he put it up and T. went up and grabbed it, and it was an NFL throw with an NFL catch. Um, And he was talking about how, okay, he saw they were in cover two, and he had noticed all night that the safety hadn't been all the way over the top. And so he like relied on that knowledge and then he saw that T got the corner to sit and then he threw it up there and just I don't know just listening to him explain how much he processed and then seeing in real time how quick this entire play unfolded and then him explaining it like Deshaun Watson has explained to the reporters trying to learn it was just an all-around great moment so Trevor Lawrence gets my rose oh I love that and we could give an honorary rose to Deshaun Watson for that he had a, a tough outing on Sunday but he gets an honorary rose from us because he's inspiring people to explain football better and in English, and we love it. And uh, maybe that rose will offset, you know, his performance. All right. Well, my rose is going to go to Tanner Muse. Mentioned him earlier. I just thought he had an incredible day. Um, he had a sack, two tackles for loss, four total tackles, and his beautiful interception early. I thought um, that really set the tone, and that was kind of part of Clemson's really, really great first quarter. And I just thought the way that they came out and kind of took control of the game. Um, he was part of that. So I, I I would give it to him. I think he's been a little bit of an unsung hero outside of the program. I think people group, you know, Clemson's defense, they give credit to Brent Venables and different pieces. But 
Um, you know, he individually has had just a really, really good year. Um, so I, he gets my rose. This I week. like that. He's also an awesome interview. Oh, we should have him on the pod. We really should. He is. Yes. He, yeah, he's an amazing interview. Okay. That will be on our list, our to-do list, our wish list. We will try to make it happen. Um, honorary rose, as always, to Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. <laughs> One of these days, I need someone to tell him about this. <laughs> you do. Um, and I feel like he'd appreciate it considering, you know, his interest in the fence jump in the Bachelor world. So I have it documented that he had an interest in the fence jump. So therefore, he should be thrilled with his honorary rose, I really think. <laughs> we'll have to tell him. We'll have to tell him. Um, but that's it for this episode of Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. She's Grace Rayner. I'm Nicole Auerbach. We'll be back for subscribers only. Bonus episode on Thursday inside the Athletic app, and we'll talk to you then.